so. How love Douglas. How love Douglas. How love Douglas. How dogs love us. That's what my brain does. I hope that's not the start of a migraine from tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's just a momentary lapse. So, chapter six is about resonant dogs. So, again, if you have missed the other ones, go listen to them. And then you can come on chapter six because there's a whole story of how they're trying to get these dogs into, you know, to get x rays and all this stuff. And not x rays, sorry. It's not even MRI. It's, it's not just x rays. <laughs> So it's a whole production to do that and, you know, find the facility and all that story is told in the previous chapter. So if you're interested, go listen to that. Again, if you can read, buy the book. And this is mostly for people who can't read and to, you know, or who need the help, who are trying to learn to read. Because I don't know if many people are aware of this, but there's lots of people in the world who don't know how to read because they were never taught. They never had the chance. And so... The goal is to try and help those people who nobody helps because if you don't have money and status, most people don't give a shit about you, you know? So my stream is about helping those people who don't have a lot or, you know, anybody else can come in, obviously, duh. But I am focused on helping those nobody helps. And I think when we help people who really need help, that's when we have a better shot of getting a better Earth. And also, everybody can be happy finally, right? What a novel idea. <laughs> Imagine all the people living life in peace. Ah, I used to say in piss, you know. That was my joke. <laughs> be a little smelly. So, resonant dogs. When Helen and Maddie started kindergarten, I began a tradition of visiting their classes every year to teach the kids about the brain and perhaps convey some of the excitement in figuring out how it works. The first time I did brain day at the school, the principal and I had a frank discussion of what I planned to discuss. <laughs> Will you emphasize the importance of brain health? She asked. Tell the kids about wearing bike helmets and how drugs damage the brain. Hmm, sure, I said. How do you feel about me bringing a brain to school? You mean a plastic model? No, a preserved human brain. In a jar, she asked. A bucket, I explained. We have a set of teaching brains at the university that I can check out. The kids can touch it. A look of fascination flashed across the principal's office immediately replaced with one of consternation. <laughs> we'll need to send home a permission slip. She needn't have worried. Not a single parent objected. The kids loved brain day. Even a few teachers snuck into the classroom to touch the brain. I'm not sure the students ended up remembering much of what I said that first... That first... That first... I lost the, the thing. <laughs> that first time. <laughs> he went on a few pages. But he certainly made an impression when I reached into the bucket and 
brought out a full-sized, dripping wet human brain. Oh, God. Half the class said, cool, while the other half simultaneously said, gross. By the time of the dog project, I had done brain days seven years in a row. Maddie was in fifth grade, her final year in elementary school, and Helen had begun middle school. The questions the students asked always fell into a predictable pattern. The bright ones asked questions like, where do dreams and emotions come from? Others just wanted to jam their fingers as far into the brain as they could. The last year I did brain day at the elementary school. A small boy raised his hand and asked a question I had never heard before. Have you ever studied a dog's brain? He asked. The teacher <laughs> chided? I don't know that word, sorry. Kid? Cheat? Pass chided or archaic? Cheated. Cheated. It means cold and um, rebuke. I mean, you can figure it out from the contest, but I don't know how to say that word. So I need to look for it. Sorry for the little... I really don't think I ever saw it, though. But again, with my memory. <coughs> the Webster Dictionary always has the pronunciation. Chide. Chide. So, oh, I'm just blind. Okay, they did put the line on it, and I didn't see it in the phonetics. So, it's chide, because there's foreigners who are also trying to learn English, right, like, and it's hard for us sometimes, when people don't say things right, it's really hard for someone who's trying to learn English, you know, to, to get it, at least, I don't have a perfect pronunciation or anything, but at least if I can get it close enough, you know. <laughs> so, the, t the teacher chided the boy for asking silly questions. As a matter of fact, I interrupted, startled by the coincidence, we are about to do just that. With Helen's transition to middle school, there wouldn't be an opportunity to bring the brains to her science class. Sixth grade science was devoted to geology, meteorology and astronomy, and biology wouldn't return until the seventh grade. Growing up, Kat and I had gone to public schools and we believe strongly in public education. As is true in many cities, however, the quality of the public schools in Atlanta varies widely. The schools that Helen and Mary attended were solid, but had the difficult mission of fulfilling the needs of all the kids in a very diverse district. A large number of children couldn't afford to buy lunch, and many had special needs. At the end of her first week of classes in middle school, Helen brought home her science textbook, one apparently compiled by a team of bureaucrats 
who had overdosed on their daily <laughs> Ritalin. <laughs> Must be one of those shitty Western shit care subscience fake medicine. Oh, sorry, was I too honest about it? I mean, every word. Every page was crammed with full color pictures, guaranteed to distract even the most focused student from the text. The text itself was nothing more than a litany of facts to be memorized. Although it was the neighboring school district that had made national headlines for banning the word evolution from its textbooks, you could still detect a patronizing tone throughout. More than anything, is smacked of scientists say it so, wick, wink, wink. Helen struggled. Although she was diligent with her homework, her test and quiz scores hovered in the mid-70s. Kat and I didn't want to be helicopter parents, but we couldn't let Helen flounder. It was time for a parent-teacher conference. Helen's science teacher was a pleasant man who bore a striking, resemb striking resemblance to Ed Holmes. I don't know Ed Holmes, do you guys? Should we look it up? Should I show you a picture of him? <laughs> I'm kidding. The you can check it out yourself. It's uh, Ed, like Ed, and H-E-L-M-S, Helms. So have fun, knock yourselves out. The classroom looked much like I'd expected it to. Slate laboratory tables arranged in neat rows, a chemical sink with an eyewash station should any mishap occur, wall cabinets full of rock specimens, a large periodic table of the elements on the wall. After an exchange of pleasantries, I moved on to the reason for our meeting. We're concerned about how Ellen is doing in science. He pulled up a gray spreadsheet to show us. Helen's a good student, he said. She turns in all her homework. Yes, I said, but she seems unclear on what material she will be expected to know. The students get exposed to the material multiple times, he explained. They hear about it in class. They read it in the textbook, and then we review it. This may have been partly true, but having helped Helen with her homework and then heard what was on each test, I was skeptical. Helen was in fifth period science, and I began to suspect that the teacher might have been confusing what he had gone over with the classes at the beginning of the day with those at the end. Helen said her class is noisy and that she has a hard time hearing what you're saying. By fifth period, he replied, the kids have a hard time sitting still. No shit. <laughs> I mean, the whole public system is a shit show. <laughs> Fuck. I can't believe these people, like, honestly, how brainwashed do you need to be to actually believe in the public system? Wow. But that's just me, of course, you know. Kat and I had already heard about his method of making the kids walk laps around the hallway to burn off energy. Maybe this helped some students concentrate, but it took valuable time away from Helen's actually learning science. Can we move her to a different period, I asked. We can check, but that will require changing her whole schedule. Can you at least move her to the front of the class so she can hear better? 
I think you realize that this was the last, the least painful way to get rid of us. Sure, I can do that. It was evident that he had been through this type of conference countless times before and that he had heard it all. I felt some small victory in serving notice that we cared about our daughter and that we would not sit idly while she slipped through the cracks of the public school system. When we got home, Helen was in her room doing homework. I sat with her on her bed. Lyra jumped up to join us. How did it go? she asked. Not so good, I said. A look of embarrassment flashed across Helen's face. What did you do? We tried to get you switched to a different period, but that wasn't going to happen. The best we could do was getting you moved closer to the front of the room. Helen nodded and stroked Lear's head. Lear grinned in delight. I think he forgets to teach your period some of the material, I explained. You're just going to have to make a lot of flashcards. Science is about questioning how the universe works and discovering new things, not memorizing a series of facts out of a textbook. Science constantly changes as we learn more about the world we live in. What could be more exciting than that? It saddened me that Helen had to learn science with all the life sucked out of it. Helen continued to smooth out Lear's fur. By the way, that's how they taught us science when I was in Italy. So, I totally get it, and honestly, the best part is going in the lab. That's what children learn the most, that's where children actually remember shit. So, yeah, I totally get it. It's really upsetting, actually, how they do it. But anyway... <laughs> do you think Lyra knows how I feel? she asked. I think she does, I said, but hopefully we can prove that through the dog project. Lyra provided a great deal of comfort to Helen. As the two of them cuddled together, I was struck by their perfect symbiosis. I had that the first time with my cat. My ragdoll cat. She never left me. Whenever I was sick, she was always there with me. She was like a dog, I swear. As a golden retriever, Lyra had been honed through generations of selective breeding to get along with humans, especially children. Although the dog project had been conceived as an effort to discover what dogs like Lyra and Callie were thinking, Helen's reaction reminded me that the dog-human relationship is a two-way street. We couldn't consider the dog brain without taking into account dogs' effect on humans. At a superficial level, you can state the obvious humans like dogs. They provide companionship, they serve as working and utility animals, they hunt, they guard, they are soft and warm and feel good against the skin. But, as I was trying to convey to Ellen, science is about asking why things are the way they are. The scientific study of dogs' effect on humans has been, until recently, almost non-existent. Florence Nightingale, the matriarch of nursing, was one of the first to argue for the role of animals in improving human health, writing, a small pet animal is often an excellent companion for the sick, for long chronic cases especially. But it wasn't until the last decade when animal-assisted therapy became more accepted as a treatment for human illness 
that researchers began measuring the effect of dogs on humans. Yeah, they even look, they even use them to rehabilitate people who are offenders. Like, you know, they kill, they do, because a lot of those people are, they're not just crazy, a lot of them have been abused themselves. And uh, sometimes they have every right, by the way, to do what they do, right? They're not the assholes <laughs> themselves. But of, of course, you know, when you take a life, it's what, you know, everybody looks at, duh, right? But maybe they were attacked first and nobody, some people don't get it. But anyway, here, if someone attacks you, for example, you cannot attack them back with a bigger force they're attacking you to. It's like, oh yeah, when you're under stress, you're really measuring forces, right? It makes no sense. So that's why I'm saying this. It's not that they're in jail, they deserve it necessarily. Many times it's not the case, actually. And in the US especially, I mean, the whole thing is being orchestrated to put some people in jail and keep them there. And then when they come out, they get back into it. It's like the whole system is so rigged, right? But so anyway, uh, I agree, like these animals have been used for so many things, they're amazing, they're just amazing. That's why when people say, oh, animals are inferior to us, it's like, really, are you fucking sure about that, <laughs> non-vegans? <laughs> you know? I guess they need to be eaten themselves in order to figure it out. Anyway, so even so, the results have been mixed. For one thing, how can you conduct a double-blind study where neither the researcher nor the patient knows what treatment is being given if one set of patients gets to play with dogs while the other doesn't. Double-blind studies are the gold standard in medicine because of the well-known placebo effect. Across the board, for physical and mental illnesses, up to one-third of patients will get better if they believe the treatment they are receiving is effective, even if it is nothing more than a sugar pill. I mean, then, uh, that's why I don't understand how people cannot realize that if the placebo effect works for good, don't you understand it can also work in reverse, people? Wake up. You know, the wake should be up by now. You should open your eyes and realize this shit. Demonstrating that dogs and animals in general can improve human health probably won't meet most medical standards of evidence. Well, because those are fake anyway, so... Again, he's talking about fake medicine, you know, he thinks that's scientific, because he has not yet opened his eyes to how fucked up the whole thing is, but that's okay. At least, he seems to have good intentions, but, you know, we'll see. But that doesn't mean animals don't help people. <laughs> One study found that animal therapy helped hospitalized heart failure patients by decreasing blood pressure in the lungs. A measure of how much fluid is backing up. Another study suggested that animal therapy reduced the need for pain medications. Hospitalized children in particular seem to benefit from pet therapy with marked decreases in pain experienced. Many of these studies, however, have used subjective measures like pain as their endpoints. The few studies that have attempted to measure the effects of animals on human biologic measures like blood pressure or stress hormone levels have come up with contradictory results. <laughs> yeah, because the observer affects the experience. And I guess when you do real science, you should take that into account. That's why there is no one experiment that can be conclusive. It's fucking bullshit. But again, sorry to break it to you guys. You know, I know a lot of people want to believe in bullshit. That... Oh, it's science. No, it's not. 
If you are ignoring the biggest part of you, which is your soul, you cannot be scientific because you're literally ignoring the biggest part of the fucking equation. <laughs> so, again, science is not real when it comes from these bozos, but whatever. Interestingly, when you look at the entire literature on animal-assisted therapy, patterns begin to emerge. Of the different animals used in therapy, dogs are the ones associated with the largest beneficial effects on health. And although positive effects were observed in most age groups, children seemed to derive the most benefit. Up until that point, I hadn't given much thought to how dogs and humans were matched to each other. But watching Helen and Lyra together, it became obvious that Lyra helped soothe Ellen's frustration and that Lyra enjoyed doing so, curling up next to Helen when she was needed most. And that's why I was saying before, you know, they were hanging out with my roommate because I think he is suffering silently. And that's why a lot of times he behaves in such ways. And I think they are trying to heal him for that. Well, you know, he is an arc, and so he takes it like, oh, they love being with me because I have a common, which is like, you're as toxic as fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy, but you need calm. And, you know, they, they can feel things, and they can be there for you. And that's why I've always loved them. I always love having animals around. People can be really, really toxic. And when you're trying to heal, it's really difficult to be around that. But tapping is great for this. So remember, I didn't know tapping for the first 40 years of my life. If I had known tapping since I was a kid, my life would have turned out a lot differently, even with all the shit I went through. And that's why I'm so adamant about sharing this stuff. And, you know, I don't care. Those who don't listen, and too bad for you people, because usually the people who didn't listen to me are dead and end up dead very badly. My dad is one of them, so, hey, make as many jokes as you want about how little people listen to me. I don't really fucking care, because I'm doing the shit I need to make my life better. I'm just sharing because I'm a kind person, and I know how crap it is out there when you don't have money. Nobody helps you. That's all. The rest is just, you know, gravy. If I start making money with this good stream, I'll be happy, because finally, a stream that is actually doing something good for others is gonna make money. And even the pedals, they can detract good stuff from here. Obviously, if you come in and try and push your pedal shit with me, it's not gonna fly well. But I'm not gonna come after you because you have a mental deviation. You were born that way. I'm just always wondering, can people like that be healed? That's more what I'm interested in, <laughs> quite frankly. Anyway, and because they also live in shit. I mean, don't think they're happy people. They're not. Kali was a different story. She wasn't nearly as demonstrative. Even her body language was different. While Lyra was content to put her head in Helen's lap, Kali preferred to curl up nearby, just out of physical contact. Lyra appeared to be well-matched to Helen's personality, but it surprised me that Kali was better suited to mine. I didn't care for dogs that fawned over you like slobbering <laughs> psycho. Psychopaths. Psychopaths. <laughs> it's not a real world. <laughs> oh my god, it is. Psychopaths. A person who has... Oops. Oops. 
sorry. Obsequiously toward. Oh my god, I mean, hello, difficult world. Someone in order to gain advantage, a servile flatterer. Oh, like those people who are not really servile, but they act like that just to get close to you. Obsequious. I can't say that word. I need to search for it again. Thank you for all these new words. <laughs> just to make you feel stupid, you know, on a daily basis. I don't. I don't give a crap. I like to learn, so... If I wasn't learning anything, it would be a total waste of time. For me. <laughs> there you go. And now I'm gonna hear it. Obsequious. 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 Obsequiously. Obsequiously. There you go. Good. Obsequiously. When you have problems like that, learn phonetics if you can. And I, I wish I could find a phonetic course we had. It was such a great course. But if you learn phonetics, there are courses out there that will teach you. Or books. I'll look into it. Maybe we can do something like that. Because it really helps when you're trying to learn a language to where to place the accent and stuff. But when you are confused, just go listen to it. It's so much, and then keep saying it. 19 times it takes to remember something usually for most people. About 19 times. So, you know, if you just repeat it over and over for enough times, then... Obsexiously. 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 Okay, I sort of have it down. I'm probably gonna have to remind myself again eventually about that. It's all good. It's just I'm always glad to make you all feel better because I'm so retarded that in comparison to me, you all shine. <laughs> See? <laughs> Being a loser is not that bad, man, when you make other people feel better. <laughs> or should I say, be not a winner? <laughs> Rephrase that better. Be not a winner. Mm. The coffee is cold. Oh, that's alright. I'm trying to drink less coffees, so... I like dogs that saw themselves as your partner. Oh yeah, absolutely. But just because a dog is lovering and stuff doesn't mean they don't see you as your partner. They're just more empathic dogs, that's all. It's just different personality. So, whatever. In his book, Man Meets Dog, the great Austrian ethologist Conrad Lorenz hmm, Conrad, wrote about the different types of dog-human relationships. Lorenz realized that the loyalty of dogs had no counterpart in human relationships, but that alone did not make them better than people. He believed dogs are immoral, without any instinctive sense of right and wrong. Modern research has disputed that statement. For instance, research by primatologist Franz Deval shows that many animals demonstrate an understanding of fairness. Absolutely they do, fucking idiots. Only subhumans don't. Lawrence, however, believed that the ideal canine companion was a resonance dog. He noted the extraordinary parallelism in personality between many dogs and their owners. Sometimes to the point that they even looked alike. 
According to Lawrence, a strong dog-human bonds were created when both human and dog resonated with each other. Yeah, that's what I had with Vinny. Grandpa was a great dog, my first dog, and I totally was in sync with her, but Minnie was totally resonated with me. It was unbelievable, actually. And my first cat was like that, too. Like, we totally we were in sync. So, yeah, I get what he's saying, and I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this. So, it happens with your children, too, I think. That's why parents sometimes seem like they prefer a child over the other. Like, I know why my family, for example, you know, where they were more in tune with my brother because they were all air signs and so they all live in their heads and when the empath comes in with all these emotions on top of everything else they don't know what the fuck to do with me they were lost so I get it, as an adult I absolutely get it but my inner child suffered tremendously because of this so sometimes looking at the stars can help people, you know, to understand that with me, for example, they just assume a lot of things about me because I wasn't reacting like them and they assumed I was, you know, um, that they had to overprotect me, you know, and I'm not that way at all. But I did need help in some things, and they didn't give it to me. And that's really fucked me up. So I think when people learn this kind of stuff, is interesting because you can put it in practice when you deal with your children or with the animals in this case. And I'll read the book also on the brain for humans, so you like how to raise children, how their brain works, so you can then compare the two and realize why a lot of those things happen, you know. It made my life tremendously better when I learned this stuff, and just learning this stuff allowed me to have a lot of cognitive shifts without even tapping. It was just insane, I would read it and go, oh my god, you know, and it would happen. The tapping just makes it easier and smoother, that's why I always remind people to do that. But don't feel bad if you forget. If you forget, it's just because you're triggered. And when you're triggered, you're triggered back in time. And back in time, you didn't know tapping. So once you get over this part, and you accept the fact that you're not doing it because you're bad and you don't want to get better, you just forget shit. So, and if you tap around the animals, you'll see they'll go in resonance with you a lot quicker as well. And she's still sleeping on the floor, the little one. I like to check on her because, you know, she's a puppy. <laughs> anyway, certainly Helen and Lyra resonated. And even though Callie was the relatively new and somewhat standoffish dog in the house, I had to admit that she was beginning to resonate with me. Leaving Helen and Lyra alone after our discussion about science class, I padded downstairs to find my resonant dog. As usual, she was in the backyard. Callie, here girl! She came bouncing, bounding into the kitchen, smelling like dirt and dog sweat. Oh yeah, they do smell like dog sweat. I love it. Wagging her stiff tail very quickly, she looked at me and ran out the door again. Clearly, she wanted me to follow her. Kali had her nose buried in the ivy with her butt in the air. As I approached, she looked up and started shaking her rear and back and forth. Callie took something in her mouth and flipped it in the air. Whatever it was, probably a mole, emitted a high-pitched squeal which was soon cut short. I was impressed with Callie's hunting skills. Since she had not interest in eat she had no interest in eating her prey, 
She hunted either for her own enjoyment or for mine. Wow, what a psycho, right? There was no need to tell Helen about Kali's predatory activity. That would remain a secret between us. Good girl, I said. You're a super feist. Yeah, okay, he's a little fucked up then. <laughs> we just got our proof right there. Good girl for hunting. Poor moles. My first... Not my first cat, my cat, Maggie. <laughs> she had some Siamese in her. And between her and Jenny, she was a mutt. But she was a mutt that we rescued from the street. So she was a, an amazing hunter. Man, those two together, they would hunt together. She would wait for the baby moles to come out. And she would bring the baby moles to us. I was so pissed off about that. Because they, they're blind and they're babies, right? And they're so adorable moles. Man, so yeah, no, I, I didn't appreciate that part. And then if you didn't appreciate what they would bring to you, they would open them up for you. Because they thought, oh, maybe you want it ready. So, chef. <laughs> yeah, the chef Lee made pray for you. Not my thing, I'm sorry. So, the little girl here, actually, she's a bit like that because it's her breed. And when Milo was here, she, the, our friend's dog, he's also a mix um, German Shepherd, I think he said, and Collie, possibly. So, he, he has the hunting streak in him a little bit. And uh, she was observing him when he was trying to go after the rats, but he was on leash because uh, his owner was saying, oh yeah, he likes to kill them, right? he tries to kill them. And he knows I don't want to have bloodsheds here. And I'm trying to get her to, yeah, chase them, just don't kill them, you know, like let them live their life sort of thing. And they do learn because even Minnie, like she had that a little bit. When she was a puppy and the frufru even more but they learned not to do it and the puppy actually the frufru was teaching the puppy not to kill the rats like that it's okay when you scare them at least they stay away that's partially why i want to move all the garbage in the back of the thing so they don't have many places to hide and it will deter them from coming in the house but i mean let them live outside they're just living their life right just like we are so and if you're not eating your prey, to me, it's like, then why are you taking a life? What the fuck? You know? Like, seriously. That's pretty fucked up. But, whatever, you know. Apparently, dolphins uh, also do pretty fucked up shit in their mating rituals that a lot of people don't know about. I haven't verified that myself, but, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. that Animals, after all, do share, you know, the energetic field. So they can be more fucked up, right? Oh, you like my scary picture? That my devil picture? Yeah, I, I put it in my art program and I made it clearer because it was very small and uh, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I wanted to put some meme there like, I am the devil, <laughs> <You know? laughs> But then people would probably believe it too much because, you know, I can play the part really well. I really do think I am a, a demon that has just come out of hell. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think that at all. But um, I think it's funny. It's pretty funny to... I don't know. I've always been a jokester like that. When I was a kid, I always liked to go and um, hide. You know, my uncle, my mom's uh, family, 
uh, is they're all very very tall like really really tall my dad's family they're short so I took after my dad's family in that but I also think I didn't grow as much because I think of the trauma um, because it does stunt your growth I think I would have been a little taller if it wasn't for because my mom is not short really like, you know she's the shortest in her family but she's not short I just think uh, it, it really stunted my growth, like it stunted my bladder growth, you know, I had actual physical problems and it's quite normal I've, when I read about it. <laughs> but anyway, they're all tall, so me being always a little shit, right, like I was always super skinny and small, <laughs> so I could hide very well. <laughs> I love to hide and scare them, because when you see a big person getting scared by a small child, it's hilarious to the child, man. Oh man, I used to scare my uncle, and then one day I was like, be careful, because if I react, I hurt you. <laughs> I'm like, don't worry, I'm usually far enough from you. He's the one who kicked me once by mistake. He kicked my right hand, and eight tendons went out of place. My hand blew up in like half an hour, it was double the size, it was insane. The pain was atrocious. It's always on my right side, everything, always fucking on my right side. You know, the sciatica is on the right side in my leg, the freaking right shoulder, always the right, 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 right hand. <laughs> God damn it. That's the left side of the brain. So, something there is wonky. <laughs> you didn't notice yet? <laughs> yeah, I totally like to play the crazy part. Hey, I always say it's better to have them scared of you, right, than uh, abusing you, right? So. <laughs> oh, cool, you're cooking dinner, nice. It's, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just chilling out and I'm just trying to get through this book because I like reading and I know a lot of people cannot read or they like to listen. I'm just trying to keep the commentary at the minimum. Which is really challenging for me. So anyway, that's chapter 6. I'm gonna stop the video and stop the... Um, the actual MP3. And then we're gonna move on to chapter 7 afterwards. So... Stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah, I like to put it on the podcast so people can just listen to it. If they don't have a lot of bandwidth, you know. And I put it on Odyssey too, as well as a podcast, so it runs smoother, I think, on the phone. I love that sound. I love the very bass sound sometimes, because they move out a lot of uh, trapped crap energy inside. And then I like to go in the higher um, frequencies. Like the vocal tone, 